0: Good morning and Merry Christmas to all of you. So what's tops on your Christmas list? What do you hope most to receive next day or two? I was at the mall the other day and uh, I found myself humming a Christmas tune. You know how it is when that piped in music just kind of gets into your mind subliminally? I mean, that happens to me so often, I go somewhere and then later I'm, why am I humming that tune? (laughs) Where did that come from? Well, I was humming this tune. Um, It was a familiar tune, a Christmas tune, um, and I wasn't sure of the name of it, uh, so I looked it up and it's called My Grown-Up Christmas List. It's not exactly of the same caliber as Santa Baby, no, no. Just kidding. But the song's popular enough ever since Natalie Cole first sang it in 1990, and, uh, and uh, Amy Grant and Kelly Clarkson and Michael Buble have recorded the song as well, among others. But in the song, uh, the singer rem- reminisces about how when she was young, she would sit on Santa's knee and uh, she would tell him all about her childhood fantasies. But then she sings about how she's all grown up now, but she still has dreams, things that she would like for Christmas, not just for herself, but for our needy world. And here are the things she wants for Christmas, lives that won't be torn apart, and wars will never start, and time will heal the heart. Everyone will have a friend, and right will always win. This is my lifelong dream, my grown-up Christmas list. And you know, it's, it's a nice sentiment, right? The song gives expression to our longing for peace, for a warring world made right. Only the song doesn't offer any answer to that longing. Peace, it would seem, is just a fond wish. Just a dream, nothing but a grown-up fantasy. It would be nice, but, you know, we live in the real world, right? The sad song, actually. What's with sad songs at Christmas? So peace ought to be, you know, at the top of everybody's Christmas list. I mean, who would not be for peace on earth? But it's easy to conclude that that gift is simply not possible this side of heaven. And we live in a very dark and grim world. We look out in our world, and war just seems to be a fact of life. The University of Chicago historian a few years ago wrote that over the last 400 years of recorded history, there have been more than 300 major wars, and the United States have fought in 19 of them. And there's obviously no guarantee that we will not fight another one. The story about a a, a very wealthy Australian uh, who was getting very nervous uh, about uh, events that were occurring. These were the years before World War II becoming uh, very fearful that uh, that war was coming and uh, that the war would spread and uh, create havoc and devastation. So he studied how he could find a, a safe hideout where he could spend his remaining years in isolation and peace. And so he got out his world map and he made an extensive survey of geographical possibilities and he finally settled on an idyllically remote and lovely retreat, a true earthly paradise, if you will, tiny, sparsely populated island in the Pacific, and the name of the island was Guadalcanal. (laughs) The site, of course, of one of the fiercest battles in uh, all of World War II. There's no escape, you know. There's no Shangri-La to run to. We live in a world that's still marked by too much conflict and too much violence and too much hostility, too many divisions, terrorism is still a real threat. On a more micro scale, people are at odds, marriages are breaking down, friendships are eroding. We see people dividing along political and economic and ideological and social lines and becoming enemies. Woe betide the family where politics comes up on holidays. (laughs) I mean, I know people that will not no longer have a holiday meal because of political differences. So is the promise of peace just kind of a pipe dream? Uh, You know, just a beautiful wish for Christmas, but nothing more than that. One observer of the human scene, uh, uh, Reverend Barbara Brown, comments, she says, there may be no experience in the world that we want more and have less than the experience of peace. The word is everywhere, describing something that is desired but missing. Between nations, between people, between the good earth and its inhabitants, however much we hanker for peace, we have for the most part learned to live without it. The best most of us can do is to steer our ways through the perilous waters of division and dissent, without hitting too many of their floating minds. So, I mean, is that it? I mean, is that uh, we just have to make do with uh, realities? In the end, is there no hope for the human race? And you know what? There wouldn't be if it were not for Christmas and for Easter, of course. The good news is that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And this child, who is the Prince of Peace, was born in Bethlehem that holy night long ago, and suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. Thank God for Christmas. There's hope in this world after all. The Prince of Peace has entered this world, chasing the darkness of sin away. A light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. Now, the cynic may well ask, well, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, why does it seem that there is so little peace on earth? It's been 2,000 years since the Christmas announcement. Why does the world still seem so dark? I mean, did Jesus fail in His mission? The problem is not Jesus. He is forever the Prince of Peace. The trouble is that people do not know him and do not allow him to rule over their lives. James in the New Testament uh, tells us that the problem actually lies deep within the human heart. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. The problem lies in the human heart. And selfish desires the Gospels, Jesus spoke pointedly of the problem with the human heart. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Our hearts give birth to these things, and it doesn't make for a peaceful world. Humanity suffers from a spiritual heart disease. Martin Luther calls, it's called sin, and Martin Luther uh, calls sin the heart curved in upon itself. All it cares about is self. Sin is a state of rebellion against God, and ever since Adam and Eve, human beings have been at war with God. Not wanting to listen to God... Not giving God the time of day, they set themselves up as their own gods and have followed their own way. Turning their backs on God, they spurned His love and they became, in effect, God's enemies. And that has led to all kinds of tragic consequences. Life without God is no life at all. Paradise was lost. The planet became a dangerous place. Wickedness began to grow. And wars and division have been a sad reality of life on earth ever since. But thankfully, God has not given up on the human race. God took the initiative by coming to us in Jesus to bring a wayward, rebellious people back to himself. It is while we were yet sinners, His enemies, that Christ died for us. So that if ever there is to be peace on earth, there must be first peace with God. And in Jesus, God makes peace possible. That's why we sing, glory to the newborn King, peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. It's God's doing. God has reconciled us to Himself. And He did it by sending the Prince of Peace, Jesus, to die for us. And we are made right with God as we turn from our selfish, self-centered ways, from sin, and accept Christ's rule over our lives by faith. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified that is, made right with God, the words in the brackets are mine, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So that when the Prince of Peace is acknowledged, where the spirit of the Prince of Peace is allowed to rule, hearts begin to change, and we are able then to live in peace with others. And this peace of Christ we experience is not just the absence of conflict, not just an uneasy truce with other people, but shalom, a peace that issues in right relationships where love reigns and where God's blessings abound. Peace is to be found in a person not in a process, and not in a program. He is the source of true peace. Peace will not ultimately come through treaties. It will not come through legislation. It will not come when a feeling of goodwill finally wells up in enough people so that people will drop their weapons and suddenly treat others with justice and respect and love. It will not come through sheer willpower or through positive thinking, visualizing world peace. The angels remind us of the precondition for peace, that we give glory to God in the highest and give Him the supreme place in our hearts. That's where peace begins. Peace is in a person. As Herbert Hoover put it, peace is not made at the council tables or by treaties, but in the hearts of men. Martin Luther so long ago said, it's due to the perversity of men that they seek peace first and only then righteousness. Consequently, they find no peace. In other words, we want peace, We search for it. We want well-being, but we don't look for it in the right place. We must first be made right with God. Only then can we experience true peace in our relationships with others. Jesus, our Prince of Peace, breaks down the barriers that separate people from one another. Christ is able to to um, bring warring groups together in a spirit of unity so that swords are turned into plowshares. You know, in biblical times in the days of Jesus, uh, you know that Jews would have nothing to do with Gentiles. Jews would have nothing to do with non-Jews. I mean, they would avoid Gentiles like like, like the plague. But now all of a sudden... Because of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, you have Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians who are actually worshiping together in the same community. Listen to Paul from his letter to the Ephesians. For he himself, Christ himself is our peace Peace to those who are near for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now, where in the ancient world could you find Jews and Gentiles thinking of themselves as blood brothers? Do you realize what a miracle that is? <laughs> in the church itself bringing disparate peoples, people formerly at war together. I mean, look at the band of disciples, right? You had a tax collector, and you had a zealot that was, would kill tax collectors, all in the same community. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has the power to unite people, bringing people together so that Christ is our peace creator. He's our peace giver. He is the great reconciler. He breaks down walls of hostility, not only between us and God, but between people. And his goal is none other than to create a new humanity characterized by right relationships. Now, one day at the end of time, Christ shall bring his kingdom to completion and world peace will truly become a reality. The book of Revelation speaks of a time in the future when God will finally put down the powers of evil and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And in that time, Christ will reign and the fullness of His peace will be established. We're not there yet, obviously. At that time, different peoples from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south shall sit down in peace and share a banquet meal. And the prophecy of Isaiah will finally come true. The lion will lie down with the lamb, and nations will turn swords into plowshares, and they will not learn or practice war anymore. And how we look forward to that day. But the Prince of Peace is at work in our world today, he is in the business of changing hearts. And until that day comes, we can right now, individually, swear allegiance to the Prince of Peace and live as agents of peace in our homes and in our places of work, in our schools, among our neighbors and friends. In our own lives, we can be the peacemakers that Christ has called us to be. Blessed are the peacemakers, he said, for they shall be called the children of God. And I guess if we're thinking of some practical thing we can do, we can ask ourselves with whom do I need to be reconciled? Who am I at odds with? Who am I at war with? Can you make a start and maybe send a nice note or make a phone call or pray for them? Can you be Christ's agent of peace right where you live in your circle? Can you bring people together? Can you enlist the help of the Prince of Peace to help you do that? As hard as it may be, it might be a blow to your pride, humbling ourselves. Whom do we need to be reconciled? Well, know that Christ is the great reconciler And if you are in Him, He's in you, and His Spirit rules in you, you can make amends. You can be at peace. Peace on earth begins when you and I turn from our sin and accept the peace of Christ into our own lives by faith, allowing Him to change our hearts, practicing peace in the power of God's Spirit. So that now is the time, if we have never done so, to ask the Lord to come into our lives saying, Lord, my heart is your cradle. Be born in me. My heart is your manger and your throne. Rule over me. My heart is your home. Dwell within me and make me an instrument of your peace. Make me a channel of your love. In the name of the one who is the Prince of Peace, we pray. Amen.